0: Welcome to the Cedarville Stories Podcast. Good health is not something to take for granted. Just ask Dr. Chuck Elliott, Senior Professor of Communication at Cedarville University. Throughout his life, he's been a model of good health. That was until he began experiencing severe headaches and uncontrollable high blood pressure while teaching in Hong Kong. Listen as Chuck shares about his story and the Deep Calls for Life campaign on the Cedarville Stories Podcast.
1: Thanks, Sarah, for the introduction, and hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories Podcast. We are less than two weeks from Christmas, and as we reflect on this time, I am hopeful that today's podcast will be a conduit the Lord uses to provide the gift of life for my guest, Dr. Chuck Elliott, Senior Professor of Communication at Cedarville University. Dr. Elliott has been on the faculty at Cedarville since 2003 after teaching several years at Hong Kong Baptist University. At Cedarville, he teaches courses in communication theory and intercultural communication, and his research interests include exploring cultural values in mediated communication and the impact of technology on social life. Dr. Elliott earned his bachelor's degree in comprehensive social science from Cedarville University, a master's degree in communication from Temple University, and a doctoral degree in mass communication also from Temple. He is a native of Philadelphia, which ties into why he probably chose Temple. That's the professional side of Dr. Elliott. The personal side of this senior professor and the background to today's program is about 20 years ago, Dr. Elliott was experiencing some unusual medical concerns that were ultimately identified as kidney failure. Last year, his kidneys began to deteriorate at an alarming rate, so much so that he was placed on the kidney transplant list. And today, as we record this program, he is still looking for that perfect donor. We we will talk at length about this journey with Dr. Elliott and two Cedarville students, Laura King and Maddie Roby, who are part of a student-led campaign to help Dr. Elliot find the perfect kidney match. I'll leave the rest of the story for Dr. Elliot and, and the students to share as I welcome them to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to have you in studio, and let me begin uh, with you, Chuck. As I mentioned in the introduction, it's my hope and prayer that you find the perfect donor soon, because... At age 69, Lord willing, you still have a good life to live. Uh, Let's start today's program by understanding the symptoms that you were experiencing that ultimately led to the diagnosis of kidney failure.
2: Yeah, I was living in Hong Kong, I was teaching, and um, it's a stressful environment in Hong Kong. And so um, I started getting pretty bad headaches, and uh, my doctors attributed to the um, environment and so nothing was done for quite some time and then uh as they pursued this further um, i was diagnosed with uh uncontrolled high blood pressure Mm. which uh, had damaged my kidneys the damage was such that it was manageable and so that was the the goal that we had um, with the team of doctors there in Hong Kong. And then when I moved back to the US, um, we continued that 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 pattern to try to keep the kidneys functioning yeah. as long as possible. Um, and then it was uh, last fall um, that my doctors who had been tracking this um, noticed that some of the levels that they, that they look at, protein levels and creatinine levels, were rising, which was an indication of uh, the kidneys were um, in the beginning stages of kidney failure. And so um, w- they, they tracked that over the next couple of months. And in May of this year, uh, the kidneys w- went into kidney failure, and um, I started uh, experiencing all the, the symptoms mm. of uremia, which is the, the collection of toxins in, in your system yeah. because the kidneys aren't filtering that out. Right. So th- that's what, what led to the next stage, which was um, a dialysis option. And they gave me two options for that. There was uh, hemodialysis, which is a Cleaning of the blood, and that takes place two or three times a week for several hours at a dialysis center, or um, I could do peritoneal um, dialysis, which uh, allows you to do it at home at night yeah. for eight and a half nine hours a night, um, which puts a fluid into your body that absorbs the toxins and then flushes that out. Yeah,
1: and we may get more into that detail. So. Back back to the time when you had the uncontrollable high blood pressure oh. and then the diagnosis of um, it looked like kidney failure, how, how surprising was that to you
2: at the time? Because I assume you were in good health up until then. Mm. Yeah, it was not only surprising to me, it was surprising to the doctors who mm. um, expected once they had the high blood pressure controlled that the kidney functions would return. Yeah. Yeah, but they didn't Okay, because it had been too long-term, and the, the kidneys really took a hit during that time. How high was your blood pressure? You know, I, I, I couldn't tell you that at this point in time, that it's, okay. it's such a distant memory, and we've come such a long way that um, the, the fact that my blood pressure um, was under control f- ever since then, and continues to be under control now, it, it is something that yeah. kind of washed that memory right. away. I guess maybe a better question is, had you ever had any history of high blood pressure in your family? No. And so that's why nobody expected that. Right. So we weren't looking for it. Yeah.
1: So you got the diagnosis. I mean, it has to be a little startling. How, how did you guys respond? You and your wife and family respond to the news that you're going down this path and it's, it's a serious path.
2: Well, when we first got the news in in Hong kong it was it was kind of relief because they said, you know if you, you know, if you have good doctors who are tracking this for you and you're you're keeping on top of it you're you're doing everything that you can to take care of your kidneys yeah. um they could last for quite some time and and ultimately, um they said at that point in time uh, it, you're you're not without hope because kidney transplants are 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 Routine type of surgery these right, days. Right. So So um, that was that was the original aspect of it. Um, when things started to go south uh, about a year ago in fall of twenty one, um, it it was kind of a shock because things had been so stable for such a long period of time. Yeah. And um, I can remember um, <clears throat> when the a nephrologist that's a kidney doctor when the nephrologist said to to me would you be willing to um, get a kidney transplant and i thought w- w- wow where did this come from and yeah. um, i thought things were relatively stable and she said things are starting to move in that direction and she's been extremely um, preemptive in the way that she's dealt with it yeah so I started the process, and it's it's a seven step process at Ohio State, uh, where there's education, there's counseling, there's a social worker involved, and um, and it it takes quite a bit of time. There's uh, testing uh, of of your um, of your blood. They took twenty one vials of my blood to, wow. uh, at one shot, which you know it was like. Thank you for being a vampire today, you know. So um, <laughs> they um, a- and got through that process. So in January of this past year, I was actually listed for a okay. kidney. Um, and so the waiting process then began from January.
1: Let me go back to something you just said a little bit ago. And you said that uh, the doctors
2: are recommended that
1: you, that you really try to take care of your kidneys. How do people take care of their kidneys?
2: Um is it by diet? Some of it is is diet, sometimes it's medication that okay. you can take. Um I I try to do diet as much as possible. Um uh taking care of your blood pressure, you know, so it, it's all the other stuff as well. Okay. Okay. So another complication for me was was diabetes. And so Sure. Um, that also has an impact on your kidneys. So it's managing... It's kind of managing the the side um, influences, the blood pressure and the uh, di- diabetes, and, and, and keeping them under control to make sure that your kidneys are, are well cared for. Okay. So in a
1: recent interview that you did, Chuck, with Abby Totten from Cedarville University's public relations mm-hmm. team... You said the most difficult part of the journey to find a perfect donor was the communication problem, mm. not a medical problem. Mm. What did you mean by that?
2: Well, I knew that the doctors had the medical situation well in hand and I knew that there was a an ultimate solution that that would save my life and that that's a kidney transplant. So that that pathway was pretty clear, but my GP, my kidney doctor, the nurse at the dialysis center, um, all were pretty insistent that I be very proactive in in trying to find a kidney donor and and, um, and reach out to um, people that I knew that might be willing to consider this. And to me, that was always the more difficult situation because I find it difficult to ask for help in the best of times, and to ask someone for something so significant. Right. Um, I just I, I told them I could not do that. Yeah. So my wife and I prayed a lot about that, and um, it seemed to me the solution was instead of asking somebody. Uh, to consider giving me a kidney, to ask if they would consider two things, praying that God would give me a kidney, and secondly, take it to people that they knew and trusted in their churches and their small right. groups to become an army of prayer warriors yeah. that would yeah. um, help lift up this need to yeah. the Lord for, yeah. for a, a kidney donor.
1: That's a great approach. I, I can imagine it would be hard to ask for a body part i mean it's one thing to ask for a ride to the grocery store but a, a body part is significant yeah. but but you have an army behind you and that's a good segue to bringing in laura king and maddie Roby into the conversation these are two students who are uh, part of really two special projects if, if my understanding is right um in professor Derek green's class uh there's an initiative called deep calls for life and i think maddie is part of that that initiative maddie Tell us what that initiative is and why you took it on, you and the other students.
0: We are in this virtual communication class. Mm -hmm. I'm with a group of students, and we're all, the assignment for the semester is to create a virtual campaign. And um, we set some goals for that. Every group has a goal to educate people. um, And then we set our own kind of milestones for different achievements we want to make And um, Professor Green, at the beginning of the semester, said he had a special project Mm -hmm. that he wanted to offer to a group who was willing to put in um, extra necessary time and effort. Um, And I was really excited about the group that I ended up in because it's just a great group of girls that I knew most of them from previous classes. And so it wasn't really a question for us. We were excited to ask him what mm. the project was. Um, and so we asked him, and he shared Dr. Elliot's story with us. Mm. And um, he talked about the communication problem that Dr. Elliot was just talking about. And so we were just excited to. Yeah. Do our best to share his story. So, and how, how
1: are you sharing the story? How mm-hmm. is the initiative? What are the elements of the initiative?
0: Yes. So, we have platforms. We're on Instagram and Facebook, and we want to educate people about organ donation, specifically kidney donation. Um, and we want to educate people about live kidney donation because mm-hmm. most of us are familiar with like becoming an organ donor on your license. And um, that's just kind of something you think about and then you move on. But um, mm-hmm. we're interested in educating people about live donation okay. and Dr. Elliott's needs. Okay,
1: so a live donation for you, Chuck, is the preferred way, correct? Absolutely.
2: Why is that? Um, first of all, it can be scheduled. Okay. Uh, there are basically three types of donors for, for kidneys. Um, there is the deceased donor, somebody who's been in some sort of an accident, for example. There is the live donor who is somebody who who comes and says, um, I, I'd like to check to see if I I would be a match. And then there's an altruistic donor who just donates a kidney not having a targeted type of person. And so um, the live donor is preferable, as I said, because it allows you to schedule. With the deceased donor, um, you have four hours to get to uh, Ohio State's Wexner Medical Center once they get a kidney from somebody who's been in an accident. Another advantage is that um, a live donor's kidney is in better shape, okay. Because um, the person who's been in an accident, the kidney is traumatized by the accident, and so sometimes the kidney will take a bit more time to get up and running. Whereas the live one, it it's c- coming right from the donor right to you at this uh, within minutes. Yeah. And so um, it tends to be um, a much more successful process, um, although most kidney transplants at this point in time tend to be highly successful.
1: Are, are kidney transplants like the, the, the most successful kind of
2: transplants uh, in modern medicine? It, it's up there. It, it tends to be one of the more common ones. Right. Um, and and it, it tends to to be successful both for the donor and the person making the donation because um, those individuals have to go through such rigorous uh, testing processes that they tend to be much more healthier individuals in the long run and tend to live longer than people in the general population.
1: So as I said in the introduction, uh, I have two students in studio and I want to move to... um Laura King, uh, she's in a communication class taught by Professor he- Heather Heritage, that is advocating on Dr. Elliot's behalf. And Laura, I-, I consider you the leader. I don't know if you're the leader of the program or not, but the campaign. But what what's your initiative? What are you doing to try to help Dr. Elliot yeah. find that perfect donor?
3: Um, so the class is actually um, we get 30 hours, and you're supposed to make a video advocating or like promoting an organization like a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Professor Heritage offered this idea of creating a video for Dr. Elliot, and I knew immediately. I was like, "That's something I want to take on." I met Dr. Elliot last year. I've had a couple classes with him and stuff, and he was on my heart, and it was just this perfect opportunity. So I'm actually the only student okay. doing it. Uh, so you are only... the leader. So I Thank am. You. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. I feel like I don't really have like the resources or like the the Skills really to be doing it, so I've been relying on God a lot for that. But it has been extremely rewarding and very exciting. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, it's been, it's been great. So, so
1: let me ask both of you. Yeah. Uh, so the campaigns have been going on for several weeks now. I take mm-hmm. it. Uh, do you have any successes that you can share or any results?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've seen so much support every time I tell somebody about this. I've had students that want to be a part of it in some way? So many people offering resources for me to like make the videos and like even professors who are supporting me to help support Dr. Elliot.
1: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Maddie?
0: Yeah, we've had a lot of um, support through comments on social media. A lot of people are joining us in prayer for Dr. Elliot, but we've also had a lot of people message us directly and ask for links to the Wexner Medical Center. Um, people have called and they're interested in learning like real life steps about seeing if they're eligible to donate. So yeah. we've had a lot of interest and the Lord has just provided yeah. so many people to pray with us.
1: That's neat. And I, and I also know, as I shared before we even recorded that um, for our listeners, Dr. Elliot and the, these two students plus others, um, they were part of a TV interview at Local 12 TV in Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. That interview has generated more than 100 clicks uh, to the story and possible maybe one of those clicks could lead to the perfect donor, and that's Mm -hmm. our prayer. Mm -hmm. So um, the word is getting out, and uh, I'll just say right now, parenthetically, if you're listening to this program and you're interested or to learn about learning more, um, we'll give you more details in the program, how you could learn more and maybe become a the perfect donor for Dr. Chuck Elliott. So Chuck, back to you. As you mentioned earlier, the hardest part of the journey um, has been communicating your need of a new kidney. So when you see Kylox students like Laura and Maddie and all the others who are participating, rallying around you and telling your story,
2: what does it mean to you? It's overwhelming. It's, it's humbling. It's um, it, It's amazing. To see what they're doing. Um, they're, they're gifted individuals and they're using their time and their gifts to help me to do something I can't do. Um, there, is, there is something that my wife and I um, wanted to come out of um, kind of a desperate situ- situation that we found ourselves in. And that was that something good might come out of this. And that God might be glorified in that process. Mm-hmm. And um, when these these amazing students took this on, it it was the highlight of forty years in higher education for sure. me to be able to to say these individuals are communicating a need and helping me to survive so that I can continue to serve God in the classroom, which is my greatest joy in life.
1: My thought is if this podcast can be a conduit to you finding that perfect donor, that will be the highlight to my professional career. I've, I've done a lot of different things, a lot of different schools. But when you're a part of a situation where you can help someone sustain life, I don't think it gets any bigger and better than that. So that's my prayer that uh, we find the perfect donor, whether it's through this podcast or some other way. That's our hope. So we we talked earlier about uh, that you're looking for the perfect donor. Uh, I'm curious, what does the perfect donor mean? And what is a perfect donor?
2: You know, ironically, I, I knew my part of the puzzle, but it wasn't until the students actually were doing this project that I learned the other side, which is, What does that donor look like? And if if you go to the Instagram site, they have laid it out very, very clearly what you need to have. And so there there is a blood uh, typing aspect that comes into play, but then there's the health of the donor has to be um, assured. um, And... um, there's some other stuff too, Maddie. Mm-hmm. Right? What do you recall? What else is involved, Maddie?
0: I don't okay. remember all the specifics, but we—I know, like Dr. Elliot mentioned, there's extensive testing and like family health history information mm-hmm. is required.
2: Is—is is age a factor? Like, because 18 to 75 mm-hmm. is the the time span of people that can be eligible to mm-hmm. donate a kidney. Okay.
1: And it doesn't matter who the kidney recipient is or, or that person's age then, right? So you could, you could get a kidney of a 20-year-old.
2: And, and gender doesn't matter either. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So, I, again, I learned all this because of the, the work that they have put into um, what they have done on this site. The, the, the Instagram site is extremely um, informative yeah. about uh, what it takes to be a donor, um, why donorship fits into our Christian worldview yeah uh, and so many other aspects even about dialysis for example there's a lot that they talk about about the process of dialysis yeah
1: how how can people find the Instagram site what, what do they look for what do they search for
0: I have the donor qualifications poll oh, yeah. can I go back and yeah list go ahead. Those? so the living kidney donor qualifications are age. Um, like Dr. Elliot said, eighteen to seventy five. okay, the donor needs to have uh, controlled blood pressure, and they have to go through disease screening and gender and race are not factors.
1: And what is okay, race, okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: how how can people yes. find how can people find the Instagram site and what would you like mm-hmm. them to
0: do? Yeah, so our Instagram and Facebook are both called deep calls for life. and, I would just encourage the listeners to come visit the page and just take in the content. There's a lot of helpful factual information, but there are also some calls to action that people can take if they feel um, led to help us. So we have the email and the phone number for the Wexner Medical Center, and they can call and speak to someone on the phone today and learn how to begin Tests to see if they could be the donor.
1: Okay, so Lord willing, when Chuck, you get that perfect match, what's involved in the transplant transplant process? What you get the call, then what happens?
2: Um, Well, if it's a living donor, then you you negotiate the time that you're going to have the surgery done. The surgery, um, as I said, is pretty. straightforward and routine these okay. days um, and what's interesting about the surgery is um, it's an add-on surgery it's they they i will have three kidneys uh, after okay. the, the process is over so it makes the recovery time go a whole lot faster so
1: how long like if you get a kidney uh next week how long will you be out of the classroom teaching from teaching
2: Um uh, four to six weeks that's pretty quick yeah uh you're only in the hospital for three days okay and so the recovery time at home um again depends on the individual the healing process of the individual um but uh, i have met people who have gotten kidneys when i was at wexner and they were up and around two weeks later living basically a normal life but just taking it easy until the, the system Um, gets used to the new kidney. right?
1: As you've each gone through this journey in different ways, you you guys are advocates for Dr. Elliott and you're you're actually living it. Um, What are some lessons or takeaways that you have gleaned from your journey that you can share with our listeners?
2: I think one of the things that has struck me the most is the idea that as you share uh, a time of tribulation that you're going through with others, it's, um, it makes that journey uh, easier, but it also allows for those process, those people that are um, walking with you to be able to be, be there when God provides and rejoice with you. And so um, it, it kind of brings to my mind... The, the, the scripture that says you know we have to be a part of of Christ's tribulations so that we can rejoice with him in the great victory that he has yeah. and, and as Christians as we're followers of Christ um, I have found that people that are walking with you through the the most desperate times of your life get to share in the great, rejoicing that you can have yeah. as God does something amazing. Yeah. Laura, how about you?
3: Um I would say it's been pretty amazing to see as Christians we're called to come alongside people and not even how fulfilling it is to do that, but to see how much we can help and see it happening in front of us. And it's just, it's been extremely amazing experience. I mean, I don't really even have words for it, yeah. and it wasn't really even a question in my mind to not do this, and yeah. it's just, it's been beautiful, and yeah.
1: Just wait till yeah. the day when he gets his new kid. I
3: cannot wait, Yeah, <laughs> I cannot wait.
1: So Maddie, I wanna turn to you, same question, but then I'm gonna add one added question, so, um, Tell the listeners what they can do if if they're interested in maybe pursuing being a kidney donor Mm -hmm. or what should they do? But what lessons, first of all, have have you gleaned from this opportunity experience?
0: Yeah, I think um, this whole experience has just been a reminder of how the Lord equips Mm -hmm. different church members. And I know like working with my team in the classroom has been a really sweet reminder of God's gifts to us that we can use to serve Him and Mm -hmm. love other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Lord has just been, He has been glorified through the teamwork and just bearing the burden that Dr. Elliot has. Um, And we just see we just see him in scripture he's yeah. the god of all peace and comfort yeah. and we've just been so encouraged by Dr. Elliot and his wife's faithfulness in the situation mm-hmm. um so yeah the lord has just mm-hmm. met us in a dark in a dark situation yeah. and really encouraged us so mm-hmm.
1: how can people respond to this podcast where should they go
0: yes so If you are interested in helping, um, follow us on social media, Deep Calls for Life on Instagram and Facebook, and message us with any questions we are here to answer and um, guide you through the process. Um, And we can direct people to Ohio State to see if they're eligible.
1: So I I want to encourage you to heed Maddie's advice and and follow this initiative on the Cedarville's um, social media platforms that she mentioned. But also, if you want to go directly to the Ohio State University of Wexner Medical Center, you can visit them at wexnermedical.osu.edu slash kidney donor, or you can call them toll-free, 1-800-293-8965. That's 800-293-8965. Press the option 3 and you'll be connected to someone who can help you and help you maybe pursue this process for Dr. Chuck Elliott. So, hey, guys, my time is up. I wish we had more time to talk. But thanks for you students for rallying around uh, our professor. Dr. Elliott, thank you for um, being humble enough to accept that support. And and uh, we pray in the ne- very near future that that perfect uh, match, that perfect donor comes forward. And gives you that uh, kidney that you need. So, And thanks for joining me this week on the podcast.
2: Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.